Happy New Year. Happy 2022. We can all hope for things better this year, although it seems like we've gotten off to a rocky start. Uh, New Year's Day uh, in our family uh, means my daughter's Catherine's birthday, and she turned 16 yesterday, so happy birthday, Catherine. Um, <clears throat> but New Year's also means, for many people, New Year's resolutions. Uh, show of hands here. Who here are, are into New Year's resolutions or have made resolutions? Okay, there we go. We've got some. Now, some people are resolution people. Others are like, you know, no way, no resolutions. Now, my, uh, my older daughter, Penny, uh, the graduate student, has informed me that making changes, either establishing new habits or breaking old habits, um, you know, a break in our routine is a good time to do that. So there's actually science behind New Year's uh, resolutions. Uh, she herself has a New Year's resolution uh, to read 25 books this year, uh, in addition to those required for her graduate studies. So um, like me, my daughter Penny has a penchant for bold and lofty goals. Uh, another goal that she shared recently, not a New Year's resolution, is a lifetime aspiration to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, the, the largest mountain, the highest mountain in, in Kenya, at about 19,000 feet above sea level. Um, that is exactly the kind of bold and lofty goal that I kind of get into, although it's taken me a little while to warm up to this one uh, because, uh, frankly, mountains scare me a little bit. Um, bad things can happen on mountains uh, from time to time, um, and I'm reminded of such an experience that I had with my wife, Kim, some years ago. Now, where we lived in Kenya, Kajabi is actually on the side of a mountain range, an escarpment that overlooks the Great Rift Valley. And right down in the valley below us is a mountain called Mount Longanot. Mount Longanot is a, a hopefully extinct volcano. It's uh, less than half the elevation of Mount Kilimanjaro, at a little over 9,000 feet, uh, but it's, it's an it's a achievable climb. Uh, if you drive down from Kajabi, the area around Mount Longanot is designated as a, as a Kenyan National Wildlife Park. And you park there, and you can actually climb up uh, to the rim of the crater, and then walk on a very narrow trail around the crater, and then come down. If you're in good shape, you can do that in about four or five hours. And it's not terribly strenuous, although it's a good day's work. One day, one Saturday, um, we had some visiting medical students who were doing a clinical rotation at Kajabi Hospital from England, from the UK, and they, they uh, asked if we would take them to climb Mount Longadot. So we said, sure, we'd love to do that. We had to see patients in the morning, so we didn't get going until after lunch. We drove down and we made it up uh, to the rim with no problem. Now, it had been particularly dry uh, that time of year, and we noticed that many of the wildlife had come up the mountain where there was more vegetation. And so it was great. We saw animals that we normally wouldn't see uh, on that climb. About two-thirds or three-quarters of the way around, though, um, <clears throat> suddenly I stopped because on this very narrow trail ahead of us was a herd of Cape buffalo or African buffalo. And uh, that doesn't maybe sound like such a scary thing, but uh, these actually are, are some of the most deadly wildlife in, in Kenya. We had treated 
many uh, people with wildlife-associated injuries at our hospital, and almost all of them were from, from Cape Buffalo. Cape Buffalo, they can be mean. Um, they'll actually stalk people and, and trample them from behind, and, and uh, they won't leave you when you're down. They'll, they'll come back and, and trample you some more. Um, now, they don't have very good eyesight, which is fortunate, uh, but they do have a good sense of smell. Unfortunately, the breeze was coming from, from behind us, so we were, we were upwind from them. I had to stop and, and just stay still for a moment to see if maybe they would kind of move on. But uh, when the one closest to us started sniffing the air, I said, this doesn't look good. And this was a narrow trail, and um, you know, the, the, the picture in my head of these Cape Buffalo charging us and us uh, kind of being like bowling pins falling off. Now, on one side of the, the, the trail was a very, very sheer drop-off into the crater, and the other one was a somewhat less uh, sheer drop-off into the side of the mountain. So off the trail we went to the not-so-steep side. Now, uh, the name Longanot actually is from a, a Maasai word uh, that means uh, uh, a mountain with spurs or with, uh, with steep ridges, and that actually is very characteristic of Mount Longanot. There are, there are ridges um, that form ravines, and once you get off the trail, um, it's, uh, it's really slow going. My plan or my hope had been that we would be able to sort of move parallel to the trail, get around to the, to the trail going down, and, and, and make it back to our car. Unfortunately, going up and down these ridges was really slow and, and somewhat, somewhat hazardous. And uh, the light began to fail us as the afternoon got into evening. Now, living where we were, very close to the equator, uh, the lights kind of come on and come off uh, very predictably but very suddenly. Um, in the morning at 5.30, it's pitch black. At 6 o'clock, it's almost fully light. Uh, same in reverse in the evening. Um, at 6 o'clock, it's light. By 6.30, it's, it's black as night. And uh, the nights there in rural Africa are really dark. Without artificial lights, uh, you can really um, not even see your hand in front of your face. Now, um, I had a little day pack with me, but I hadn't thought to bring a flashlight, hadn't imagined that we'd need it. So, we're trying to move as quickly and as safely as we could. Finally, it got so dark, really couldn't see anything. I saw this dark figure in front of me, and I couldn't tell whether it was a buffalo or a bush. Now, in my little backpack, there was a little, little whistle I had had there for years for whatever reason. And so I got the idea that I'd take it out and I'd, I'd blow it if this was like a, a buffalo or something, maybe that would scare it off. So I, I blew the whistle and nothing happened and it turned out it was a bush, but uh, decided that if it was so dark, I couldn't tell the difference between a buffalo and a bush, um, then, then we probably better not keep walking because we'd end up falling in a ravine. So we, we sat down there and, and my heart kind of sunk. Uh, this was back before we had cell phones, so we had no way of letting anyone know where we were. Um, we were too far away for anyone to, for us to hope that anyone would hear us. 
and I had no flashlight or any other form of light. And so the darkness uh, started to descend. Now I should mention maybe as added flavor, um, on our way around the trail, we saw um, on the trail leopard prints, which was, was kind of interesting and exciting during the day, and much less interesting or exciting as night, uh, as night fell. Um, there wasn't anything to do at that point except gather around and pray. And so as a group, we prayed you know, for the Lord to protect us, keep us safe, provide for us in some way. And as we said our amens, I looked up and incredibly, um, down the mountain, a light appeared in the darkness. And it happened that this was one of the Kenyan rangers. Uh, he had noticed that our car was still there and decided to come looking for us. Now he went up the trail. We couldn't see him because it was around the mountain. But as he was coming up the trail, up towards the rim, he suddenly heard this whistle. And so he started making his way around the mountain to where he heard the sound. Now as soon as we heard the light, started blowing that whistle and yelling and screaming. And, uh, and we were saved, and we did get down from the mountain, as you probably figured out. But that story reminds me of the light shining in the darkness. This passage, this beautiful pro prologue to the Gospel of John that's our Gospel reading this morning, is full of wonderful uh, words and concepts that are later developed in this Gospel. The one, of course, that we are most familiar with in this passage is the Word, the Logos, the eternal Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But there are plenty of other words and concepts here. Life, light, darkness, witness, world, glory, grace, and truth. The word light in some form appears in this passage we've read this morning seven times. Jesus is the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, the true light which gives light to everyone. In verse 6 uh, appears a man sent from God whose name was John, that's John the Baptist. He came to bear witness about the light, but he himself was not the light. Well, what does it mean to bear witness about the light, to give witness to the light. And why does God need to send someone to do that? A light you can see yourself in most cases. Can't people see the light without someone bearing witness? Well, we know else, from elsewhere in Scripture that, that, that some are spiritually blind. Some have been spiritually blinded by the forces of, of evil in this world. Uh, some turn away from the light because they love darkness. They prefer the darkness to the light. Uh, but many perceive the light but need help comprehending it. When I think of the ministry of John as um, bearing witness to the light, I, th I think of a lens. A lens is not a source of light, but light shines through it. It focuses the light so that it can be seen more clearly. We use lenses in many ways. We use lenses and telescopes uh, to make things that are far away appear closer that we, so that we can see them. 
We use uh, lenses and microscopes or magnifying glasses to make uh, things that are small appear larger so that we can see them more clearly. And we use uh, lenses in, in, in reading glasses or in, um, in cameras to focus diffuse light so that it can be seen clearly. In a way, John, John the Baptist, was like a lens. He was like a telescope in that these distant prophecies from the ancient uh, prophets of Israel about a coming kingdom in the distant future, they suddenly became close in John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That which was spoken of in ancient times about that which is to occur in future times is here now. The kingdom of God is at hand. John was like a microscope or a magnifying glass in that um, many might have overlooked this itinerant rabbi from the obscure town of Nazareth. But John is there saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world brought him up into focus so people could see who this man was, who this man is. John was like a camera lens. He had a, a, a way of saying things very clearly, uh, <clears throat> using very powerful language. Um, you brood of vipers. You know, the axe is at the root of the tree. His winnowing fork is in his hand. John had a way of, of bringing things into focus. Uh, there were no fuzzy lines with John. Uh, people could see the things of God much more clearly and respond to what God was doing. In a sense, uh, lenses bear witness about the light. In a sense, John the Baptist was like a lens. And in some ways, so are we. Brings me back to New Year's resolutions. Our typical New Year's resolutions, I think, fall into one of three categories, sometimes more. One is to do something that you're not currently doing. That's one type, right? Start a new habit. Uh, others are stop doing something you're currently doing. Uh, maybe break a bad habit. Or uh, three, be a better person in some way. Uh, I'm going to suggest, though, some, some New Year's resolutions uh, that don't probably fall, fall into either of those categories quite so clearly. Um, resolution number one, which I'm, I'm taking for myself as well, uh, remember who we are and why we're here. Uh, we are children of God, and like John the Baptist, we're sent from God to bear witness to the light. A lot of uh, <clears throat> my problems that I brought on myself in 2021, I think we're really from uh, forgetting who I am and, and why I'm here, uh, trying to be someone or do something uh, that God never intended for me. So remember who we are, why we're here, resolution number one. Resolution number two, acknowledge our limitations. Uh, like John, we're not the source of true light. Uh, the story of our existence is, turns out, not primarily about us, which is actually pretty freeing. We're not actually the center of the universe, and everything doesn't actually depend on us. Now, wait a second. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. Uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, uh, you are light in the Lord, and to the Philippians, you shine as lights in the world. Yes, we are light, uh, but only in the sense that we reflect the true light, 
Uh, we are not the source of the true light. We need to acknowledge our limitations, and so that's, that's a New Year's resolution for me, to acknowledge my limitations. And the third resolution is to bear witness to the light, to let the true light shine through us, let the true light shine through me. What does that mean practically for us? Well, first it means cultivating our relationship with Jesus. We can only bear witness to the things that we've experienced ourselves. We can't give what we don't have. It is Jesus who's the true light that gives light to everyone. If we don't have Jesus, then we don't have anything the world really needs to see. Bearing witness to the light means not being afraid to go into the darkness. If the Kenyan ranger in my story uh, had never left his station, we'd never have seen his light. Um, he was not afraid to go into the darkness. And um, we don't need to be afraid of the dark places in this world or the dark places within ourselves. The darkness is where the light is supposed to shine. Uh, we don't have to be afraid. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Bearing witness to the light also means living our true and authentic selves as a clear lens for the life of Christ, for the light of Christ. That means being emotionally honest. When we're happy, be happy. When we're sad, be sad. Uh, don't pretend to be something that you're, you're not. Don't try and be someone that we're not. God sent us, not someone else. Being our true and authentic selves means that, um, that we are the lens through which the world will see the light of Christ, both in our words and our deeds. For some, we'll be like a telescope, bringing our Heavenly Father, the transcendent deity, close by so they can see him. Uh, for some, we'll be like a microscope, helping them to see the work of God around us, the divine immanence in what is small and seemingly insignificant. And for some, we'll bring the heavenly light into focus so they can see Christ clearly and understand the things of God. Bear witness to the light. Amen.